it's so multifarious. It's so multifarious. It's so multifarious. Welcome to Ultra Multifarious, uh, where we believe that you can learn something new about everything. Uh, we're Take your, your time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't we're, worry about it. You got it. <laughs> we're your hosts, Thomas, Tim, and uh, Alex isn't here right now. We're actually recording in his home. He's at work. So what I'm going to do for this recording is, well, first of all, I'm going to take a sip of this Perrier that I took out of the refrigerator without asking. Yeah, right. Well, he's mm-hmm. quote-unquote working. <sighs> yes. Hear that? Say wait. That's for you, Alex. And so, took a swig of that, and <sighs> I'm going to intersperse check-it-outs from other episodes. He said, uh, he said, hey, hey, uh, don't do my catchphrase, ha-ha. And I said, oh, don't worry, I won't. And because he will. He'll yes. be doing his own catchphrase. Check it out. Um, today, we're joined by our guest, Jacob Lowry. Howdy. Uh, so, Jacob, who do you think you are and what gives you the right? <laughs> uh, I think I'm Alex Arnell and this is my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's my house. <laughs> oh. Check it out. Uh, today's topic is uh, going to be one that I think Jacob is the most qualified to talk about among all the people I know in person. Whatever the topic is, yes. And be more specific, sir. <laughs> the gang scores with musical theater. Um, and so the idea here is that I didn't understand musical theater for my entire adult life until the last few months. And what I mean by that is when I would hear it, I would think, these songs aren't as melodic as they could be, and they don't rhyme like they should. Why is that? And I want to talk to you about that, but first, I think one of the biggest distinctions is that I've always heard them called musicals. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, musical is a term. It's a word that has a meaning. That's musical. So when I hear someone sing in a way that isn't as musical or as melodic or as catchy as it could be. I'm like, why would they do that? And then recently I saw a movie called Tick, Tick, Boom. And I heard it called musical theater. And for the first time I went, Mm. oh, it's theater with songs. Yeah. (laughs) Took you a minute, but you got it. (laughs) And so now I think I have a better understanding, but I wanted to ask you, And first of all, do you agree that musical theater doesn't always go for the melodic and instead goes for something different? I mean, the yeah, the point of it is that it's the theater first. And that is there are different types of theater. And there's definitely shows where that is not the case. Some shows are absolutely made just to have some entertaining numbers, some catchy songs. Absolutely. But the type of theater that moves me and I think most people are attracted to and the type that I think where it clicked with you is just that it is the theater and that the music is used to extend the dramatic beats. So it's kind of like when Shakespeare would go into verse, it is used as an extension of kind of not necessarily emotionally heightened moments, but just, just if, even for the sake of clarity, even not even just kind of emotional stakes, it would just kind mm-hmm. of heighten this element. So often, not always, but often the music is written as an extension of the speech where they make a, a I should say a very careful, uh, 
decision not to misdress words and to match the kind of rise and fall of pitch with the melody. Not every writer does that, but in my opinion, all of the good writers do. Uh, rhyme has a very specific purpose in theater, not like in pop music. So I think you're absolutely dead on with your, yeah. And, you got it. and once I figured out what it was trying to do, I no longer looked at it with this sideways glance of mm -hmm. like, why would you choose that when this isn't as catchy? No, or there are plenty of musicals where I go, why would you choose that? <laughs> Don't laugh away from the mic, Tim. Lean in. <laughs> I, yeah. I need to lean in. Laugh hard and loud. Um, so what he just said is an even more sharpened version of what I was thinking, which is once I realized that musical theater is, as you say, theater, which is drama, comedy, whatever mm -hmm. that is. And then instead of just the text, just the actor speaking, because there is speaking in a lot of it, mm -hmm. the music acts in the same way that dialogue would. Hmm. It progresses the story, or as you say, mm -hmm. it should, mm -hmm. right? So, yes. uh, but what I mean to say is, rather than looking at it of like, well, I'm going to write a banger about mm -hmm. this topic, and then I'm going to put it in this character's mouth. Right. Once I realized that it was like, no... I'm going to write a song that feels like someone going through a tragedy. Right. What does that sound like? And then I put lyrics to that, that evokes that and has this emotive sort of tragic, you know, sound that's not going to rhyme. It's not going to be catchy No. on purpose. And once mm -hmm. I realized that I thought, Oh, I'm the fool. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the fool. what I've noticed from just the, the small amount of musical theater and stuff that like, you know, I've seen or that I've, you know, known about, it is all about evoking so much emotion. It's just like you're acting in a movie or, or whatever it is, but it's through the theater and the musical side of it. So when you were talking about like lyrical stuff about how what I've noticed, especially with musical theater is that there are certain things that get like really pronunciated. Yes. And other there's, you know, there's certain words that do, and then there's certain words that are just, you know, kind of like a passing note to get to where you're going. But like you said, it progresses the story. Right. Um, that's one of the main things that I know about it. Um, because I'm, like I said, I don't know a ton about musical theater, but I think it is important that the, um, the emotion comes out through the song and through the music, obviously. Mm -hmm. And how they pronunciate some of the words and, and hang on some of those words is very important to get the audience to understand this is what I'm saying and I'm holding on to that note or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So like you said, melody and catchiness sometimes kind of goes to the wayside a little bit in a good way because it's about something else. Right. It's not mm -hmm. the point. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so that's and that's what you're going to watch. You know, so that's interesting. Mm -hmm. The weird thing is, like, I got to this point where I would get these tunes stuck in my head, where they became catchy to me. Mm. And that's, that's just a weird thing. I'll just, in my head, just bad times and bum times. There's, it, there's little moments that just get stuck with you. And it right. kind of, it lingers. There's a musical, and I, I keep going through phases with this show. It's a show called Passion. I made a playlist of shows for you. It's yes, on there. Yes, yes, It's yes. Uh, beyond upsetting. It's a very, uh, <laughs> very sad, very... Uh, almost tiring show, but the musical score has haunted me since I've heard it. And I've never been able to stop thinking about the music. So like in the, in a way it's catchy and in a way that's not, and it's just a cloud of gloom over me, but <laughs> there's things you get, you do get your catch. You get your brotherhood of man, you get your, your big kind of showstoppers. You still right. get those big moments, but those are going, we're getting fewer and fewer of those with every kind of Broadway season. Then eventually a big show will come in. that will have like Hamilton is like 45 amazing songs. <laughs> and it's, Absolutely. The whole time. Agreed. Yeah.
Yeah, and the, so something that that reminds me of that you might connect with, Thomas, is like that's the same way it is with complicated heavy metal. Yeah. When I first hear it, when I hear like a trivium album, right, is just a wall of sound. But the more I ingest it, the more, as you say, it kind of gets into your your psyche. It kind of haunts you. Yeah. Later, you maybe three days into the album, you've kind of been just letting it play, letting it play. Yep. You just start singing this weird off riff. Yeah, yeah. It just it's weirdly gets stuck in your head. I know, I know. It's yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> what the dead men say. I'm gonna do a musical theater. I'm gonna do one with his right metal for you your mouth. <laughs> I'll say what is missing in a lot of musicals is a lot of pick scrapes. So I'm glad that. Was <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. I'm so glad that yeah. that came across as a yeah. pick scrape. He's like, listen, we're you're Michael Winslow. Are you kidding? That was perfect. <laughs> you're gonna do a small segment called Metal with My Mouth. <laughs> I'm in musical metal with my mouth. I do. You know, I love doing the old. Now do a flash beat. Yeah, I was just like, or a blast beat. Indiscriminately. Yep. So. I want to talk about a movie that Jacob recommended to me, which is really what opened the door truly for me to have this like spark that I believe is becoming a passion for musical theater. Because mm-hmm. I never would have thought that this would be me. Mm-hmm. I never was opposed to it. It just never hooked me. It never moved me in a way because I didn't understand it. The movie is Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm-hmm. Right. It okay. is the most clear and accurate depiction of a creative person and how they are living their life while creating before they have made it to a place where they're financially comfortable. Mm. Yes. It is like so biographical for anyone who is creative living a bohemian life. Bo-bo-bo-bo-bo. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Is this the life? Bo-bo-bo-bo-bo. And I'm so glad you recommended it to me. Um, So that was the first thing. Um, Is there anything you wanted to comment about that particular movie or any of the characters in it? There's been a lot of talk about that movie. It's been very popular, especially with the kind of theater community. Everyone seems to love this one. So I have nothing to add. I just have to agree. <laughs> I think awesome. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty outstanding and the cameos are nonstop. And that's also doesn't hurt that it's Avengers in game for musical theater nerds. Oh, which is so cool. funny because yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that's he, cool. he told me that. And then I found a YouTube video that kind of breaks it down. And <laughs> it really is very, very well made. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know how when, when, the phrase is used, it's a love letter to musical theater, or mm-hmm. it's a love letter to Spider-Man. You know? Right, right. It's definitely that. Yeah. Um, so now let's talk about something that I don't think you're going to agree with me on. Because, <laughs> oh, well, no, because mm-hmm. I'm a sweet summer boy. Mm-hmm. And this was my first, <clears throat> the first musical I ever fell in love with mm-hmm. was The Greatest Showman. And I heard tell no <laughs> that, that you think that it's a stinker. A stinker. I, I think the, it is 30 movies that has been crammed into the runtime of one movie. I think the songs have very little to do with anything that's going on. I think totally the, true. I think the songs are generic pop songs. They're very talented songwriters, Pascal Kimball, who did them. But these are not, in my opinion, these are not my favorite songs of theirs. Right. And huh. honestly, I think the, um, the pr- actual production on the album, I know it was made to be mixed in the theater. I don't know how much or how little they've adapted that to the soundtrack, but it sounds horrible. It sounds like garbage to me. It, everything's very low and heavy sounding. 
when it, it doesn't sound balanced at all to me. The mix is yeah. not great. Yeah. That, uh, but from mm. what I get from just what you're saying overall mm -hmm. is that the creativity of it is just not. It's completely unfocused. It, it seems yeah. like they couldn't decide what movie they wanted to make, what story they wanted to tell. So my issues with it, and that's true of most musicals that don't work for me, is it's structural. It usually yeah. has to do way before the music comes in, way before they stage the songs. It's before all of that's usually where you start to see the issues. Sure. It is not paced well. It is not structured well. It is, right. in my opinion, a bad movie that has some catchy songs thrown onto it. Yeah. And that's, well, it's just like, it's a very messy movie. And what bothers me is the potential was there and it could have been really good. Hmm. And gotcha. I, I, yeah. So I have... I'm not as, I don't have the hatred for it of another musical that uh, gets referenced sometimes, but I, I won't discuss that. Okay. Uh -huh. So, well, we'll get back to that in a second. So are no. you familiar with any of the Greatest Showman songs? Did no. you see that movie? Nope. Not okay. at all. I would definitely no. recommend watching it because- Have you heard any pop song before? You've basically seen the Greatest Showman. <laughs> is, uh, is that got Hugh Jackman in it? It does. Have it does. Okay. Singing and I like know, a power and, drill. And he's like a huge- Singing like a power drill. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got our boy Wolverine on lead Vox. <laughs> Ladies and gents, I will say no. Listen, I will say there are a few times where his pipes are strained. He is either screaming or whispering that entire musical. And so, because I know he's like huge into that scene, right? Like he, he is, I always um, like from he considers himself a theater guy. I think yeah. primarily. He's oh, doing sure. the Music Man right now on Broadway. Apparently, I've heard mixed things about this production, but he's a. Hmm. He seems like a, a good choice for this character. I've again, I've heard mixed things, but I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. But sure. Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, so, yeah, so I have seen, like, pictures, mm -hmm. some videos and stuff like that. I know, like, Hugh Jackman loves theater. He's all about the, it's funny, showmanship. It mm -hmm. seems like maybe he's not the best vocalist or the best, you know. I assume he's self-taught, but there's plenty of self-taught theaters who have much better voices. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, he, and not, uh, he's not terrible. But, I, taught so, I taught him. No, I taught him. It was Wolverine. me. It was me. I taught Wolvie. Mm-hmm. But so, yes, I have seen the, you know, like I said, pictures and I have seen trailers and stuff, but I've never seen the movie. Mm -hmm. so. I will say this, that what they did was they essentially created this vehicle. And I think you described it very perfectly. They, they created this vehicle for a person who has no relationship with musical theater mm -hmm. to go and watch a movie that is... These songs, as he said, that are like pop songs. They are pop songs, and I was there for them. There was a good probably three months where like I would use them. Listen carefully to me. Mm -hmm. I would use them to work out at the gym. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's the score I was on, man. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Listen, but I do understand what you're saying, that it is almost as though uh, they had a, these killer pop songs or ideas mm -hmm. for them and then sort of built some scenes around that mm -hmm. rather than the reverse. So let me ask you this. If, what could they have done differently and still kept that catchy music? They could have picked one clear idea about what they wanted to do instead of like, he's, you know, he, he's building it. Okay, no, he's creating it. Okay, now he wants to be, yeah, right. it's like he has too many different motivations that seem yeah, to yeah, just yeah, yeah, get yeah. dropped randomly. There's just, it, there's a lot in general in that movie of threads that come up and then go nowhere. It's like, he, they make a big point. He takes good care of the, uh, Performers, he did not, but that's not the point. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. they're like, he's talking to these rich people. Then they sing this uh, power ballad that's like the song at the end of Bruno. And then <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> and they have also Kayla Settle, who is the best singer in the movie, gets this wonderful song. By the way, uh, there's a lot of money behind this movie, and that is the worst fake beard I think I have <laughs> ever seen in a movie. He's like, come on, we couldn't do better than like, that. You can go to Party City right now, and you can get a better fake beard than what this movie had. Party and City's got us. Got us. Party City's got a better fake beard than this 
a great vocalist, but they also have another singer, which is again the thread that comes up and goes nowhere. Of another mm-hmm. great singer who did not sing as well as the bearded lady sang. It's <laughs> there, there's a lot of country shop stuff. So I'd say primarily it just has to have a good, clear story first, and you need to find those moments because I, I really don't mind for the type of movie that it is if it's a beginner's guide, an introduction Absolutely. to the theater, and that's I'm what it was for me. Cool yeah, and it's like, and goodness, they put so much effort. It's like music videos going on. It's it's so much effort into the musical sequences. And I, I, I and it's cinematic, too. It's something that wouldn't work on stage. Right. And that's something I appreciate. Uh, movie musicals tend to not work, in my opinion, because they try to copy stage language. And it's a completely different pace. There's, mm. it's, you can't, it, just, it has never really worked for me, that kind of idea of trying to make it feel like a stage show. Sure. Uh, so I love that they filmed it in a cinematic way. I just wish all the effort went into something that was tighter, a bit more clear, right. and just kind of more fleshed out. Uh, yeah. They had, two, I feel like they had ideas for the songs they wanted to have, and it's just like he's a little boy, and they don't believe in him, you know. And, <laughs> and oh goodness, and it, that's like, the whole thing. Awesome. Then they immediately, he's doing fine. He never really struggles much. It doesn't seem he just. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's my issue with it is before any of the musical elements come in, and like honestly, the catchy music is not any. None of the problem is the catchy music. Right. That's that's really fair because you know what it's like. Uh, and I'm going to put this in your brain and you won't unknow it. So this is, you're going to have this frame of reference when you go watch the movie. Okay. Are you okay with this? Yeah. It's not a spoiler, but I think that there's something that's before a spoiler, mm-hmm. which is like influencing people's opinion of a movie. Yeah, sure. Inception. You know, Inception. So I'm going to incept you a little bit, but I hadn't really pinpointed it as clearly as he did, mm-hmm. but it's a lot like a Michael Bay Transformers movie okay. where things matter in this emotional moment. And then, like he said, they're like, all right, sweep that off the stage. Yeah. We're done with that. And then there's mm-hmm. explosions. And then there's explosions. Yeah. And also, well. There is a big fire. <laughs> <laughs> you don't realize how close he might be to this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing is that he's building the circus around Optimus Prime. Yeah. <laughs> he found, he he found, he was like Merlin in one of those. God, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. How many people does he need? <laughs> I'm Simon Elkins. And this is Transformers. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. The, oh, you went to Ringo for this. I don't know. We didn't help that. I felt like we should click these. I was Let's like, hey, I'll get one from you too. Hey. hey. All right. So my point is, I see what he's saying is that it is a very, I don't know the word other than like it is fast food almost. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's no storytelling nutrients. Mm-hmm. It's not balanced. Right. But you're like, wow, this is really good there's in the moment. place for fast food. They're absolutely Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. And like they had big sing-alongs. I've been told the reason I don't like that movie is because I don't drink. I've been told, like, so if you'd have a drink, you'd love, you'd, you'd have a drink. You would time. sing along. Do people then, believe if you drank, you'd sing along? That pe- yes, people do. Like there are people who insist that I love it. And like, honestly, like, I occasionally listen to the album that's, and I go, this is mixed poorly. This is, I don't like this. That's this is going nowhere. Yeah. But this part of me is like, but this part is really cool. But that's ridiculous because yeah. anybody will sing along to Journey <laughs> and karaoke if they're sober or not. Or like, that's tr- yep. you know, there's I certain songs yeah. people will be like, that's true. You gotta mm-hmm. sing it. That's know? true. And you gotta sing with Yeah. No, that's a guy came into a, the studio today, the fitness studio, and he said, he was like, I like to sing this song at um, karaoke. He's like, because I know I'm never going to sing it alone. No, oh, yeah. Same same thing. It's like That's a brilliant that is yeah. yeah. He was like, Look, I I, I never have never to worry to about people like literally just focusing on me. He's like, Because mm-hmm. this is a song that everybody's gonna sing. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it was Sticks Come Sail Away. Oh yeah. Um or something like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Journey. Whatever. So now I don't want to disagree with your friend here. Uh, let me tell you what. Well, let me tell you what. That song's like seven minutes. Yep. And the only thing that people will sing 
is come sail away, come sail away. But as soon as it yeah. starts getting into those well, intricate parts and I feel like I'm and the doing, keyboard solo, I'm he's a, just going to stand up there for mm-hmm. 87 bars. Well, I'm doing it yeah. that little bar goes across. I'm doing it injustice because I can't remember the exact mm-hmm. song. It wasn't Don't Stop Believing? No. Huh. And I don't think, I don't think it was come sail away. But I'm not going to sit here and try to remember, but I will maybe at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll until then, type right in. Until then, it's come sail away and your friend has made a poor choice. Oh, yes, no. that's not a good karaoke song. <laughs> Wonderful concept, terrible execution. Yeah. Pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to musical theater, is there a way that someone who is uninitiated can easily get into it? Because that was the other mm-hmm. thing. I felt like I had to sort of understand decades worth of information. I just mm-hmm. didn't know where to start. It's almost like someone getting into comic yeah. books. Yeah. There's so yeah. much that you're like, well, tell me what I should read. Right. What is a way mm-hmm. that someone could just kind of dip their toes and figure out if it's for them? There are 79 years, give or take, worth of musical theater as we know it. And uh, accessibility has been a problem from the beginning. And it's remained this way because, look, I will tell you, there is good musical theater in any major city in America because he you'd be surprised are professional theaters, community theaters, but you have professional equity actors that are performing. Sure. You can see good theater locally. Right. Um, I grew up in a place that did not have good local <laughs> theater. And mm-hmm. I did not grow up in a place where often tours would come through because I'm from the worst city in America. But yeah, honestly, and cause people associate so much musical theater in general with Broadway, which Broadway is a specific, it's 41 theaters yeah. that are playing and half of them have had shows running there for forever. They're not going anywhere. Lion King's not closing soon. Phantom's not closing soon. Phantom's coming up on what, 34 years. And it's wow. it's like, it's not. And it's steady and people keep seeing it. Like, And I can't, last time I was in New York, I saw Lion King and Wicked. And like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not not a part of the problem here. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, right. Uh, Lion King was overrated. Wicked is underappreciated. That's my general. And let me ask you yeah. this. With like something mm-hmm. like Lion King, is that something that, how often do the people that are, are performing it change? Oh, Lion King's constantly. a mix of people who change constantly because there are children in the cast, so they had to get changed out often. Right. But yeah. I read through the playbill, and it looked like everyone there had been there since like 2004, 2002. Wow. And it opened, I think, 97, like making that up. Which like the Lion King. You're not seeing it to see so-and-so actor play of course uh gazelle number two whatever antelope <laughs> whatever like it's, dude i yeah. want to see them so yeah. bad idris elba uh, as yeah. rafiki <laughs> i will tell you this something cool about that show is the no the indic circle of life there's that big bass drum hit yeah it shook the theater it was amazing the, what was the other one you mentioned phantom is phantom of the opera or? yeah phantom of the opera's random you know that's kind of just like what is that's just kind of like a staple right like that kind of just I, I, runs. it is it's a statue of liberty basically it's not leaving new york anytime soon okay okay um, check it out. Guys <laughs> check it out. Look at what this. Going Look at, would you know. check this out? So we're in, his, we're in his house. Yeah, we stole we, we we the generic stuff here, boys. We, stole, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. we already blew through it, man. Spared no expense. They stole your precious yeah, yeah, water. Oh. We saved all the generic for if, if there's a fallout. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's figured, for this is for only. The, this is so for you're here just in time for me to ask Jacob a question about The Lion King on Broadway. Uh, Aren't you excited? You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Goodbye. There were no customers at the dealership. I just decided to just hang around. It got to be done by now. He's like, oh, sweet. Nobody's taking any of the popcorn. He's like, I'm going to clean out that popcorn machine. Dealership popcorn. Did, is your dealership have that popcorn machine? 
No. That all dealerships have? No. That all, that, that yeah, man. Hot dogs and popcorn. <laughs> that's what's bringing us in these days. Mm-hmm. Hot dogs and popcorn? Yeah, man. You that's work, what the people man. want. You work at the one dealership that doesn't do the type we of We had donuts before and then COVID hit because apparently donuts spread COVID. They're mm-hmm. going to bring some stuff back, but right now. All right. Cool, cool. Sorry. Go ahead. Ask the question. I'm bringing it back. Well, my question was, in terms of like the Lion King, do they have car dealership popcorn? Oh, yeah. <laughs> At these places, because that's what the people fourteen dollars for a bag of car dealership popcorn at the concession stand <laughs> at the Minsk Golf Theater during in, during intermission fourteen eighty six with tax. Speaking of which, I actually don't realize he kind of hit a chord. The guy in front of me, who was the worst person in the world when I saw the show, he at intermission got a bag of peanut M and M's, and he took the entire second act of the show to eat this one bag of peanut M and M's, <laughs> tardis full of peanut M and M's. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Infinite bag. I think was he, it like one of those big like no fun, oh, vending machine. Oh, wow, like on. it was the same size. Oh, he's milking it. Oh, he was I, biting I, them in half. He's yeah. milking. Yeah. It. He's milking. It. I think he was just trying to have his mask down. Have you had a peanut M and M? I eat slowly oh, too. Yep. Oh, there you That's go. my guess. I think he was trying to not wear his mask. Yep. He got so he's like, clearly see the one M and M I have. I heard somebody went on a Delta flight and just put a fry in their mouth for the whole flight. Awesome. I'm proud of you, Just whoever you have are. Have the fry wither away. And- so here's mm-hmm. the real question. Is it when Lion King started, do you think that it had a better showing? And is this the reason that it's not a great show? Is it the writing and the, the construction of the show? Or is it that they've been doing it for so long that you just can't have passion about something that long? You know, I, I there some of the people I saw I, that I know have been there from however long, uh, basically have been doing it 20 years, basically have, uh, some of them gave the performance, like they, it was their first night. Wow. And some of the actors looked like they were falling asleep on stage. Oh. Of course, like they do the same showy times a week and their contracts typically a year from the first preview. And it's things like, hey, of course, all that changes, but yeah. And I understand losing. And sometimes it has to be a job. You can't be super happy about it. Every time you go in, sure. I understand of course. Sure. you're feeling under the weather. Your voice isn't quite there. All that I can forgive. That doesn't bother me, but it's that, it was the more or less half the company of that show is what annoyed me about it. Yeah, it's like, but I've seen plenty of long running shows with uh, casts that were there from the beginning that never lost their energy. When I saw Wicked, I saw the final performance from one of the original cast members. Oh, cool! The show happened to it happened to be that performance, and you, no one phoned it in that. So it, it does depend. And then there are people like Hard McGillan who was played like something like two thousand performances as the Phantom, never wow. seemed to phone it in. Um, so I, it does depend on the person, but he's the real phantom. Yeah. That's yeah. Why. <laughs> he basically, yeah, he actually believes it. Yeah. He did. I burned very his method. face for him. Yes. He's very, 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 very method. Actor. But it he goes to good. show it's, yeah. it seems very, like I said, it's so much about the passion that you have for the character, mm-hmm. especially it seems like with mm-hmm. musical theater and how much you want to actually portray that character. However mm-hmm. many times, like you're saying 2000 times this guy did that. Yeah. It's, it's like, that's it's, if you're the type who can keep it fresh, then count you can do me it. in for a solid mm. fifty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe. And I'm out. Uh, and I, Forty-nine. Yeah. You're probably going to see yeah. some slippage. Two thousand. Yeah. He pulled. A, he pulled a Captain America uh, where he was, you know, like fake punching Hitler. Or he's, he's just like getting really good at it. It's like that's this guy with uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh yeah, that's was, crazy. It's insane. But it's like, of course, I I can't be like it's a steady paycheck and this is an impossible industry to make a living in. You're barely mm-hmm. getting paid even in a steady job. So right. how dare you not leave and take the risk and do a new show? Like I, I don't want to. I understand it, but it's also sure. as the audience and effectively it is for the audience. The show is. It's not for the sake of the performers. For sure, so the performance yeah. is for the audience, and it's right. at the same time. It's a lot of times audiences don't seem receptive, and also yeah. I also get like audience often don't behave well, and I understand kind of giving up on an audience. Because oh, absolutely. People want to act like they're at home and they want to 
have noisy food and drinks and they want to uh, take their shoes it off. Ruins the show. Have their phones what? go off. Oh, oh, people take are wild, their man. shoes off? <laughs> it's like, what? I'm just trying to relax. Get off my back. I paid a ticket like everybody else. Listen, guy. Yeah. I mean, like full on like <laughs> socks and shoes yeah. or like. Oh, I, I've seen it all. How much is one of these tickets roughly? It depends. How okay, long is so the show like, running? Where are you sitting? Let's say Lion right, King. So let's say Lion King. What was the ticket cost for that? My, I had a good seat. Probably close to $100 for the whole set. Probably more than so, that. It's Tickets probably started five times a movie cost or 10. Yeah, yeah. it's like taking your whole family to a movie. Right, yeah, exactly. One person. <laughs> right. Hey. People are paying the money, sitting in great seats three rows away from the actors, and they're on their phones the entire time. No. And what? it's it, it's infuriating, but it's like, and also like part That'd of That'd be a like, bummer. Yeah, I, if you're a performer nuts. and you're looking out and seeing that, that's why Patty LuPone stopped a show to kick a guy out for taking pictures five minutes before it was over. Wow. You know? Really? Oh, you don't I, know that. So this was a, an actress named Patty LuPone. She's royalty. She is royalty. Uh, there is, she's, yeah, uh, one of the titans of the art form. Does there, she have like a famous show that she does? She is, she has many. She's the Mount Rushmore. Many. She is the entire Mount Rushmore. Okay, okay. She's as good as it gets. There, okay. She's the real thing. Um, and she was performing a uh, character, uh, Madame Rose in Gypsy. Okay. Who is, this is the role. She is born to play this part. Mm-hmm. And... There is a lot of iconic moments in the show for her. And uh, basically, about towards the very end of the show, the last number is a song called Rose's Turn, which is this character has this big breakdown and it's outstanding. And she's giving it her all. She's done the whole show. And she stops. She screams uh, to the uh, house team to get the lights up. And she uh, to get on the house lights. And she uh, points the person out and screams, stop taking pictures. Oh, yeah. The whole thing's in the <laughs> Stop taking pictures right now. Says, oh, yeah, the whole thing. You heard that, the announcement. Because it's not allowed. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing. That's the, super. Yeah. Not, it is actually completely illegal throughout sure. the city. And, really? Um, yes. It's and like filming a movie. Yeah. It's like, sure, it's, sure, it is piracy. Sure, 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 it it yeah, is yeah, completely absolutely. illegal. Wow. And it's also really disrespectful if it weren't sure. illegal. So she gets the guy kicked out five minutes before and she starts the number over again. And that is kind of a famous moment. And she also... Um, few years ago snatched a phone out of an audience member's That's hand great. it was a kind of a theater in the round situation and she uh they were on the kind of aisle and she just make an exit by him so on his phone the whole time she walked by she just snatched it and walked away <laughs> I, was, I was hoping she like football punted it that but was, that's really cool yeah. and that's even something that not that it's required i know some people mm-hmm. are going to keep their phones on but mm-hmm. i'm a huge proponent of nowadays people just do not live in the moment and yes, i think true. that they should you know mm-hmm. what i mean and it's like when i go to a concert even me like when we went and saw metallica or whatever mm-hmm. it was it's like a lot of people are on their phone i mean you, you can almost sometimes not see over the people's arms that are raised yeah. up just to video mm-hmm. it's like they're not even watching the show anymore they're just videoing yeah and i don't want to go off too much on a tangent because there's one more thing mm-hmm. i think it is required Discussion. Let me stop you. Okay, we're not going to talk about my sixth grade production of Tom Sawyer. We are. Perhaps you've heard of it <laughs> with with the Rush song. Uh-huh. Today's Tom Sawyer. I like the rag, you know. But I mean, were you Tom Sawyer? No, he was the rap. Not too. It was. He played a mean raft. It was the role of. He's a mean. He only mean mean raft. <laughs> no, I was the. Uh, I, how do we get on this? I was. You brought the, it up. I was the minister. <laughs> yeah, I was say. <laughs> he was the minister. Okay. <laughs> Real quick, funny story. We did like several. It was like in sixth grade. I was mm. the minister, and I didn't have a lot of lines throughout, but I had one big eulogy. Like it was a long mm-hmm. eulogy. Sure. Mm-hmm. I had to give. And so there's one point in the eulogy, like they put like a microphone on the stand, 
on the uh, uh, the pulpit. Mm-hmm. So they just laid it on there because I couldn't hold it because we're in 18 whatever. And at one point, just to get extra dramatic, because I'm supposed to, like, I ask a rhetorical question, then I answer it by saying no, and I hit the podium, mm-hmm. and it was like a cannon blast. <laughs> <laughs> and I started power of God because it was funny. <laughs> But you're not supposed to. It's apparently it's frowned upon to laugh at funerals, even fake, <laughs> right? Even fake ones. So off that back. Uh, so the final topic I wanted to talk about was Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, and I know Thank you, you know we're already. I'm surprised I've you've gone got 45 seconds, 39 <laughs> minutes without bringing him up. I I think I mentioned him. I named dropped him. Once. Well, you yeah. did, and so yeah. I just wanted to say, like, I know that he recently passed. I know he's considered mm-hmm. probably. Well, you, why don't you talk about him and not me? He's the best. Jerry. <laughs> tell tell hey, us tell a little bit about Stephen Sondheim. Or I can. Uh, no. Uh, well, For no. people do, who uh, don't know who he is, let him, what, who is he? And uh, the re- <laughs> you know those people. For those people, Jacob. Well, uh, and that's the other thing I was going to mention yeah. is that was part of what got me into musical theater was interviews, watching interviews with him and understanding how brilliant he was mm-hmm. gave me another inroad that wasn't just watching musicals. Yeah, if Stephen Sondheim worked for NASA, we'd all be living on the moon right now. Right. He was one of the great minds. He would have been the greatest at whatever he chose to do. But for some reason, he just chose music and lyrics above all for the theater. And he, uh, there is really no way to talk. The craft in his work is completely unparalleled. There is no number two. There is no second best songwriter in the theater. Sondheim to me sounds like if Stravinsky was trying to impersonate Irving Berlin. Or he, he has this complexity, but he manages to... Sometimes he hides it. Sometimes he doesn't. There's certain things like I've recently read through the score of a show he wrote called Follies, which is a extremely complex, very interesting show because it's basically three different scores he has to get work to work together. Because the idea with it is it's a reunion of an old Follies performance, basically. So it's an old Follies review performance, and it's the re- the theater's being demolished. There's a big reunion, okay. and these people who had were once kind of uh, these they were young and in love kind of together. That these four have a lot of regrets, and they're there and the show is haunted with these ghosts of the past of the performers basically all of that to say there's these three different scores basically in the show which is the basic they're singing their deeper feelings or they're they're expositing whatever they're doing and it's but you also get this pastiche of the songs they used to perform that's throughout the show the last 20 minutes is this collective mental breakdown they all have together and they go to this weird like this theater is this dilapidated rundown place is ugly it transforms into this beautiful like wedding cake topper basically by the end of hmm, it that's so and they cool. perform these these very over the top almost kind of mgm musical numbers together and um so he has to get these three to communicate and to use the same language which is already impossible that shows the technician he was i was score reading this and i was looking at a song that i've always liked a song called too many mornings which is a very vulnerable song for any writer it's not a writer trying to impress people it's a writer putting himself out it's a very uh, the, the lyrics there are i've never heard anyone else admit to the things that are being said in these lyrics like it's like oh that is some loneliness you're talking about that i've never heard a writer willing to talk right, about right. before and I just always thought the song was pretty. And I've always caught like, okay, we're getting, this movie's getting brighter here. So he's using a different tonicization here. Or he's moving here. And I score read it and realize how impossible these key changes are. That no one else could get these to work together at all. It was not like a completely different song started out of nowhere. That you don't even hear them. It is mm. it, peanut butter smooth. It is Velveeta. Which is so hard to do it, he with is the key changes. Such a master craftsman at every kind of level. Right. And that was, I was squirting through this. I'm like, how did he, and I went through note by note to figure out how is he doing this? I'm thinking from the beginning of this song, he is setting up this key change. Mm. He's getting you used to some of these sounds. He slowly shifts you in to whenever it goes there, it's this big moment. And you don't even get the sense of, 
I went up a tritone, which is an impossible thing because those two keys share nothing besides two notes together. You know, that's as distant a key change as you can get and that you didn't even notice it happened. Right. It was, and it's not just for its own sake. It's complexity for the sake of humanity and the complexity to serve the story. And no one followed through on the work and on the character as well as he did. You, especially when he kind of hit his stride, which I would say was with Company, and which opened in 1970. Uh, he really starts to kind of find his own voice. He really starts to, that, that was, there are Stephen Sondheim wrote musicals before Company, but Company, I'd say, is the first Stephen Sondheim musical. It feels like him, and it feels like only he could have written it. So that's like, yeah. What you would, would you say, like, if I had a recommendation, like, what, if I had to listen to one thing or like, here's the watch, thing, you know what I mean? What would is, it be? Is it, is it, it company? No, uh, I wouldn't start there because it's very easy to have a lot of, uh, there are plenty of bad productions of company out there. Oh, right. Is the issue because it is this epiphany that's happening in a split second in this character's head. Okay. A lot of productions don't get that right. The production playing on Broadway gets that very well. Got it. As perfect understanding of like this else, uh, yeah, it's kind of down the rabbit hole, Alice in Wonderland kind of feeling that the story has. Okay. Can um, I make a guess at one? Yeah. What a, would it be Assassins? Assassins. You know what? That's a weird one. But yeah, Assassins would be a good starter. The music is quite catchy. Mm-hmm. They're currently... Uh, and there are some really cool turns mm-hmm. in that show. Oh, did you watch it? I did. Right. Uh, you attended the last show Sondheim saw, right? Before he passed away? Not his last show, but his, his, last, last his last musical. Last musical. Okay, guys. Yes. Look at you. Um, Pretty cool, right? Yeah. His last show was a play called Dana H., which was sharing the Lyceum Theater with a show called Is This a Room? And he uh, doubled up, basically and did a double bill matinee than an evening performance, and he died... Uh, looks like a day and a half later. Wow. Um, but his right. last musical was the reopening night of a show he had written of company. Um, it was the reopening performance and I have celebrated and loved this man my entire life. And then he, uh, you know, where it's, it's like eight Oh five. We're waiting on the show to start. Our phones are off because Patty Lupone's in the show and we know better. Yeah. And we're going through the playbill. I can only speak for myself and Broadway theaters have usually a trillion doors on the side that kind of open up and there's a curtain kind of blocking and it's usually the stairs to the box are up there. And, so they took him in a side entrance when the curtain opened because we're just waiting for the show. So we're going to look at movement when they just take him into the side entrance. The entire theater noticed him. He heard a collective uh, gasp of eleven hundred people and everyone gave him a big standing ovation as he took his seat. And it was uh, a Great. beautiful moment. And to share that experience with Steven Sondheim the last time he saw a musical is uh, at least as far as we know, unless there's like, actually, no, he, he went to see a person of Mads Mikkelsen's daddy's. It was fully improv I think that's pretty cool. And isn't mm-hmm. John Williams 91 or something? 90. This proves my running theory. <laughs> What's your running theory? That Sondheim and Williams mm-hmm. were Highlanders. <laughs> <laughs> and now John <laughs> Williams has absorbed <laughs> Steven Sondheim's quickening. Here we are! And that's how he's able yeah. to even lift his arms at 90. Anything that man, if he if he just touches his pen to paper with a note, it's good. John mm-hmm. Williams. So He was just saying that yeah. prior to recording. It's like if you just, I mean, literally, he doesn't even have to know a note in his head. If he just starts mm-hmm. writing something, it, it, it will probably be good. He was right. out at Chili's, mm-hmm. and he got a two-for-one, and then he signed the receipt, tipped the lady, they handed it to a conductor, <laughs> and it was a full score. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.